high school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Morning. My wife wanted forever. Turned my mic down. Out of and I washed the dishes. It's true. Out of and welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, working our way episode by episode through the practice. This week we are up to season three, episode 12. A day in the life, and apparently a day in your life includes doing the dishes. You are a hero, a Monday morning hero. It's true. I feel very, very, very happy about it. We had some visitors this weekend uh, for some playoff games and a project we did Sunday, and so there was a ton of dishes and food and all that bullshit, and I actually got up and helped clean up, which is... Uh, wow. Yeah. Usually my wife does it, not because we have distinguished those roles in our relationship she's just a better person than i oh clearly yeah so i was happy to, to help out i love that we just started the podcast with me watching the dishes <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah boy this this is the riveting radio you wish you had for your commute no but something kind of cool this weekend i'd like to share so my 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 dear friend my dear dear friend is a a, a san francisco 49ers fan and her, her and I had something to do on Sunday, and so I invited her over, and then she decided to bring her husband. Uh, and then on Sunday, it was kind of a, a, a random happenstance, but my friend happens to be buddies with this, uh, this recording artist. The, the, the project is known as Remember Jones, and they're kind of like, I don't want to say famous, but they're known for taking albums like uh, Back to Black by Amy Winehouse and 808 and Heartbreaks by Kanye West and then blowing them out into these huge soul funk concerts with this 28-piece orchestra. They play the Brooklyn Bowl a lot, all this stuff. Wow. And it was like something happened, scheduling conflict happened. They're recording this new like Earth Day song or whatever, and their gospel choir couldn't show up to the recording. So they had like an all-hands-on-deck trying to get artists and singers to go record this because they had the studio today or yesterday, Sunday. Yeah. Long story short, my friend knows him, blah, 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 blah. My wife and I got invited to go. So yesterday I got to spend my day at Atlantic Records in the Paramount building and record in like on a major label. No kidding. Which Fantastic. Pretty, which is pretty awesome. So that'll get released in April. It's called Save the Planet. I'm just in the, we're just in the background, but I'll pitch it when it comes out. It was cool. It was like, a, you know, I probably won't get to do that again. So that was, that was kind of nice. I haven't been in a recording studio like that since I was in high school in this, when I was 18 in 1999. Right, right. And yeah. you're, when you were a rock star. So it was, it was a cool, it was a cool Sunday. And then I got back and nobody spoiled any of the games. I got to watch them on DVR with no spoilers. It, that never happens, as you know. 
It's a miracle. Uh, and those were some some pretty cool uh, football games yesterday. So it was a good it was a good weekend. Keith, what about you? How, how have you been, buddy? I've been okay. Been uh, you know also watching football. I, I, actually, speaking of albums, uh, which I've I literally uh, have only announced my album on this podcast. That seems a very limited advertisement range, but you know, <laughs> mar- marketing budget is low. Unbelievably limited. Uh, well, I haven't announced it on like to my friends and family on Facebook and all the other nonsense because I'm waiting for iTunes to put my selections of the 30 second cuts of each of the tracks. Aha. Uh-huh. And because right now, like they're just they somehow have an algorithm that picked the worst 30 seconds from every song. Fair. Uh, so I'm waiting for that to click through before I announce things. But due to, uh, I'm assuming, the death of uh, the recording industry and mm-hmm. buying of albums and some sort of horrible broken algorithm on uh, on Amazon. But uh, for a bit, this week, I was uh, number 66 on the Broadway vocalist charts on Amazon and the number four in uh, new releases. Overall, new releases? Uh, of the Broadway vocalist charts. Hey, roll yourself some golf claps, man. That's great. I mean, I'm I'm thinking this is probably based on maybe two albums sold. <laughs> but uh, but for a hot second there, I was beating Josh Groban. Well, you, wow, that's, you know what, see, this is why pull quotes are great, because sometimes a movie can absolutely suck, and a, a, a publication will trash it in their review, but they'll just pull a few sentences that sound good, throw them in quotes, and use them, and so oh, for absolutely. you, we're going to say Keith Varney's momentum, better than Josh Groban for a few seconds, <laughs> or whatever that quote was. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I love a good pull quote. You know, I uh, I definitely use the one where the Times called me sophomoric. Mm. I got one time I got called. Um, uh, he sings pleasantly in an unexceptional voice. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that. which I thought, but I still think is pretty accurate. That's amazing. Uh, all right. Well, we're gonna move on. But yeah, check out Keith Varney Momentum. Uh, buy the album. Help me out. That'd be super awesome. And uh, at some point, I'm going to tell my friends that I released an album three weeks ago. Keith, not only did you release an album that's doing fairly well on the iTunes charts, but we released a podcast that's doing all right. Yeah, I, you know, we we have, uh, I, I, as I said to Jill the other day, we now have enough listeners that it, we would all be uncomfortable in my living room at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, I thought like, this was going to be a party, <laughs> to which we'd have to be like, no, 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 at no time do we promise an actual party. We, we just invited you one, over. We only have one bathroom, and happily, we have enough listeners that that would be a problem. Whew. It took us a while Woo-hoo. to get there, but <laughs> so for those only of you, in. for those of you listening, we appreciate it. Thanks for telling a friend or two. Uh, thanks for those few v- v- ferocious listeners we have that are that 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 live and die by the podcast. It gets them through their work. We appreciate it. We thank you for listening, and we're going to go ahead and reward you by diving into the actual meat and potatoes of the podcast right now. Yes, we are. Beginning with... Filings and subpoenas! Filings and subpoenas! Filings and subpoenas! Filings and subpoenas! Okay, well, first of all, we have some cleanup work to do Mm. in our filings and subpoenas. Yes, we Uh, do. If you remember, last week, uh, we got an amazing... 
supportive review from our new friend Richard Templeman. And he, uh, we meant you mentioned that he has a podcast. At which point, we spent forty five minutes trying to find that <laughs> podcast, and didn't. No, we, <laughs> because, we didn't even succeed. No, but we sure did kill a lot of your afternoon trying. However, we now have found Richard's podcast. It's a delightful podcast called "The Second Golden Age of Radio," and it's an analysis of old radio programs. Oh, cool! And yeah, so it's it's Richard and his co-host, and they basically like going through uh, like old like story radio stuff, um, murder mysteries, that kind of stuff from way back in the early days of radio. Uh, Super delightful! Check it out. He's got an original song at the beginning too. Super I am subscribing fun. right now. Boom. And uh, yeah, it reminded me how much I have always loved Prairie Home Companion before it got all handsy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's still got the same. It still has the like DNA of it. You know, oh, wait, no, it certainly live does. Live from here and whatnot. It's a quiet weekend. Like Wolverine House. Just reaching across all these dress. And uh, no, anyway. I, Oh. Was, uh, I'm gonna. We might as well just take out the first 10, 11 minutes of this. <laughs> just cut, cut it right out. <laughs> anyway, check it out. Second Golden Age of Radio. Also, uh, we got an uh, Instagram comment from our new friend Lauren is Square, who said, "How do I vote for Laura Flynn Boyle, and can I be a guest on your podcast?" And uh, that's a really good question. I mean, we definitely. I have to say, online, Laura Flynn Boyle, Lara Flynn Boyle, has some really ferocious fans out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think she gets a lot of votes just on Instagram. So absolutely. And can you be a guest on our podcast? No, we don't do guests. But you can, <laughs> but you can uh, send us a voicemail. Send, you, you can definitely like send us a message on voicemail. We'll play it on the air. In fact, I think the Anchor app... You'll hear more about Anchor FM, Anchor.fm. Anchor.fm? There's an option there to send a voicemail that will get directly uh, thrown to us through the platform, and then we can use that MP3 and put it on the show should we choose to do so. Uh, You might not want that, so we don't have to do that, but you can send that feedback to us. (laughs) Also, while we're we're on it, I, I hesitate to do this, but I'm going to say it. You can actually support our podcast by going to anchor.fm and finding the Out of Practice podcast. I'm sure there's an actual link. I can put that in the show notes. But you can throw us a dollar, two dollars. We have a paypal.me link. It's uh, paypal.me slash oopsie, O-O-P-P-S-Y. You can also go there and, like, give us money. Because, you guess what? It's not... It turns to me. It turns out, Keith, it's not free to make a podcast. It feels free. (laughs) But it's not actually free. Based on the quality that we're putting out, it should be free. Speaking of quality, you might have noticed we've gone back and begun remastering all the episodes to make them very, very loud. They're very loud because that's what everybody, the one complaint was, we wish that we were louder. It turns out Keith and I, and it should be noted, we have a lot of technical experience between the both of us, for real. However, we've only figured out that when podcasting... And trying to source multiple audio inputs, actual episodes of a television show, two remote co-hosts, mix in music. At the end of the day, there are two options. Very, very quiet and very, very loud. 
So the brain trust that is Keith and I decided that very, very loud is better. And every one of the people of our listeners just turned us down. That's true. So, But you have the option now. Let's assume, Keith, that no one wants to give us money, nobody cares about the volume, and they just want to know that other than voting for Lara Flynn, Bo- Lara Flynn Boyle, and th- the reason you can't come on the podcast is because it's in the rider of the show. One of the initial rules was no guests. That's right. Unless That's they right. appeared on the show. Or, well, there might be, eh, I don't want, no spoilers. And nothing's confirmed. So let's move on to if uh, we have any new members of the jury. We sure do. Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury. What say you? Now, before I uh, introduce our new jury member, uh, how would someone join the jury if they wanted to? So many ways, but the number one way is to go to Apple Podcasts. Go ahead and search Out of Practice Podcast. We come up first. I think we're the only one named the Out of Practice Podcast. I hope so. Yeah, branding confusion. And leave us a review. It doesn't even have to be a good one. You can tear us from limb to limb, but give us a star, give us five stars, leave us a review, and you are entered into the angry jury. Yeah, well, look, you you can convict us, you can acquit us, but please join the jury. So this week's jury member is our old friend Leanne Wrights, who the title of the podcast, get ready for this, is The Best Podcast. Keith and Mike are my official internet dads. Time out. I don't like it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Hold on, Grandpa. Uh, That's a good thing for if you're not old like us. To be an in, to be somebody's dad to a younger person is makes you cool. Oh, she's okay. not calling us old. Oh, okay, I'm in. Thanks. It's thanks. a good thing. All right, it's a good thing. Hey, we don't understand people talking from the millennials. Anyway, mm. it's a good thing. It's great. So thank you. Uh, she says, if you're looking for a ridiculous, hilarious podcast, look no further. There's singing, there's joking, there's crying. So much DSV, man. And endless shenanigans. I started watching the practice at the beginning of 2019, and I stumbled across this podcast halfway through the year. I love the show, and to have a podcast accompany it is next level. Keith and Mike are hysterical, and while listening to an episode, that is, it is not uncommon for me to laugh until I nearly run out of oxygen. From the genius segment jingles to the pre-episode nostalgic chatter and the more technical analysis of acting camera work this and the technical analysis of acting and camera work, this podcast is sure to entertain the practice fans of any generation. Keep up the phenomenal work. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you, Leanne. It's nice to keep up uh, with you on the Instagram. She likes to interact with us and we try to do our best to get back to everybody. And it, uh, it seems that she's writing... She's a writer. She writes a book. She's a writer. So She's uh, a book. we're happy to plug anything that you're writing. As Keith knows, it's a uh, it's hard out there for us for an author. So we'll do our best to help everybody out. It is indeed. Yeah. By all means, when you're when you're ready to plug, let us plug it. I uh, <clears throat> I put out a couple myself, and it's difficult to plug. Yep. And as you, as we know, our marketing the the oopsie bump can get you to number six on the iTunes bestsellers. So we'll. None of that information was true. Well, a it was par, Amazon. Part for the course. <laughs> it was number. One. We don't need to break it down. We don't need to break it down. Every one of those, every one of those sentences were wrong. <laughs> par for the course. Oh my god! All right. Well, 
moving on. Uh, thanks for communicating with us, guys. Very much appreciate it. Uh, send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Obviously, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. All right. It is finally time to talk about what was going on in 1999. This was January 10th, 1999, a Sunday night, and it's everyone's least favorite segment. This day in the basement. What were you doing? In 1999. As I've mentioned, this was still, I still wasn't watching a lot of television because I was a senior in high school. I was playing in a band. I was hanging out with people. I had my my lovely girlfriend, Laura, I was spending a lot of time with. Laura Flynn Boyle? Were you dating Laura Flynn Boyle? No, I'm, I'm not allowed to say who I was actually dating. We've decided we can't say names, but she was wonderful. Fair. Uh, Things were great. Say something nice about somebody. No, she was really wonderful. I hope she's doing well. But I will say that this gets to the heart of one of my giant television hall of shames. Because, yes, because on this day, I will ne'er forget it. Myself and wonderful Lara watched on HBO the premiere episode of The Sopranos. Oh. Which debuted on January 10th, 1999, this exact evening. No kidding. And it is the stands to this day, so many years later, the only episode of The Sopranos I've ever watched. No kidding. Never watched The Sopranos, and I know it's wonderful. I at some point have to get to it. I just haven't done it. And I know it's like a seminal piece of television. I just have not get, never got there. Sure, sure. But I did watch the, the premiere, and I, and I remember thinking, uh, okay. Huh. Well, at some point we'll have to do a segment of like the things we're ashamed of not having seen. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff, but that is that's definitely I haven't seen The Wire. Yeah. See, yeah. Or The Shield? I've only seen oh, some I love of the shield. the shield. Yeah, I have to go back to that, but it's one of those one of the few shows that actually finishes strongest. What's funny, I tried to go back and watch The Shield because it's on so many people's list of the greatest television show of all time, but watching back, I remember thinking Ugh, I can't do SD right now. Uh, well, yeah. You know? Yeah, no, and now you do an entire podcast in it's SD. It's true, I sure do. So anyway, so. that's, uh, I'll leave it there. That was my, that's what I, that's what I did this evening. I was with, ah, uh, Lara, and, and <laughs> James Gandolfini and the clan. Okay, well, that's, that's, that actually is a very pleasant evening. Yeah, it was great. Now, yeah, it's so. Unfortunately, uh, that's as far as it went, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, I, 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 we all assumed that. She, she was a very good girl. We didn't think that was up for question. <laughs> it's true. Oh my goodness. Okay, so all let's right. take let's take the highway up north to Vermont and find out. Oh no, we were in Rochester. Excuse we're me. We're in Rochester. Yep. Take head west, good sir. Head west. Get yourself yeah, a bulletproof so, vest and go ahead up to Rochester. Yeah, right. So uh, the, the bulletproof vest bulletproof vest you need this time is going to be for my feelings but we're oh. we're, we're we're just setting up some heartbreak but we're not there yet okay what i was doing at this time and i remember it was about this time because this was i mentioned last week that the star trek insurrection had come out mm -hmm. uh now the i mentioned the boring one as you called it i would not go quite so yes it was the boring one uh so 
I also mentioned previously that at this point in my life, uh, my freshman year in college, I was a terrified, depressed shut-in. Okay. Uh, and I was afraid to speak to people, make phone calls, leave the dorm room. It was horrible. But I also mentioned that I had my one friend, my one very, very close friend, uh, the now famous opera singer. Uh, anyway, so this night, she and I, or I think it was probably the night before, spent the entire night from sundown to sun up debating whether it was acceptable that she watch a PG-13 movie. Talking, trying to convince her to watch Star Trek First Contact, which was PG-13. Was she of a certain religious? She, yes. She okay. was a Mormon. Okay. And uh, we had this, what I thought, delightful evening, spending 12 straight hours staying up all night having this long discussion debating whether or not it, it was morally acceptable for her to watch a PG-13 movie. Now, I know what you're all thinking. This is some sort of a romantic thing. We were just doing that as opposed to hooking up. But it wasn't that, at least not for me. We were actually just really good friends, and I really had it. It was one of the like most fun nights I had in a very unfun time with my friend who will remain nameless debating whether it was morally acceptable to watch a Star Trek movie. <laughs> what was the what was the outcome? She held her line. She didn't watch it. She did not watch it. I felt like I made a lot of very good points, but it was the Mormon shield was impenetrable. Hmm. So anyway, uh, so that's what I was doing in the odd college sort of way that you do such things. Now I'm like, if I'm up past midnight, I'm done. Oh, I know it. I don't care what's happening. Especially debating whether it's okay for a grown adult to watch a movie. <laughs> I know. A PG-13 <laughs> movie, mind oh, you. Oh, man. That, the specificity of that really... And, you know, and may I special. point out, in Star Trek, I think somebody... In that movie, I think somebody says shit once, but there's no nudity, no graphic violence. No, yeah, no, it's <laughs> science fiction. It's science fiction. Oh, it's Star Trek. Uh, oh, my God. People. Anyway. 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 So that means it's time to talk about what was going on in the world. And what we were, I don't know what we were talking about, but what we were listening to was Brandy singing Have You Ever. Oh, yeah. Slow jamming. There was a lot of good slow jamming happening at this era. Yeah, this is a very good R&B time. It was indeed. So we were going to see an odd movie called A Civil Action. It starred John Travolta. It was a, sort of a, a legal thriller. It was the third week of release, but first time at number one. I, I can't even recall it. Neither can I. It was in the uh, Travolta-sance mm. in the late 90s. But for whatever reason, it had a pretty cool cast. But anyway, didn't happen. So the local paper, the Burlington Free Press, talked about a snowstorm that socks the state with 15 inches of snow, which Ooh. ironically in Vermont, that's not a great deal of snow, frankly. Oh, God, I'm plugging things in. Oh, boy. 
Uh, so we got some snow. 15 inches doesn't seem like a lot for Vermont, but it was a slow news day, so that's what happened. And that brings us to another segment that I'm always have to. I struggle talking about this segment because I have to find it on my phone while mm-hmm. I'm talking, mm-hmm. and it's difficult. But I'm going to do it anyway, even though it probably annoys everyone. It's called Sports Ball! Playoff edition. In the NFL Divisional Playoffs, Chris Chandler's Falcons took down Steve Young's 49ers. John Elway and the Broncos took down Dan Marino 38-3. Vinny Testaverde's Jets beats the Jaguars. And Randall Cunningham's Vikings took down the Cardinals 41-21, bringing the Vikings to 16-1 on the season. They would go on to become one of the best teams ever to not make the Super Bowl. Wow. River City Miracle was this year too, right? The day before. Uh oh, you mean the the Bills Titans? Yeah. Uh, not this week. That that was uh that was wild card. Okay. Whew, that was fascinating for everybody. Yeah, sports ball. Sports ball. Look, I I just talk faster now. That was it's great. Fine. It, it you could just hold your breath through it. You won't even know. And it's finally time to talk about the damn episode. Nice. So this episode, entitled A Day in the Life, was written by David E. Kelly, of course, but he had a partner in Jill Goldsmith, and this is the first of eight episodes that she would write on The Practice. She also wrote on Law & Order, Boston Legals, Boston Legal Singular, <laughs> <laughs> there was only one, Rizzoli and Isles, and Dr. Vegas. It was directed by Martha Mitchell who directed a bunch of SVU, Blind Spot, Madam Secretary, Without a Trace, and The Division. So we have a female staff on this show, which probably is very welcome. So uh, let's uh, let's get into it. Okay. Aren't we missing a segment? Oh, oh my God. Oh God, here we go. I almost forgot. God damn it. What is that supposed to be? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? So the previously on this week really focuses on Lucy's out of nowhere feeling that she's not welcome at the practice and how she played that stupid practical joke with the head severed head in the bag and was almost punched in the face by Eleanor. And then it jumps over and shows us, recaps, Lindsay and Bobby's rekindling of their relationship and how Bobby chooses her as his New Year's resolution. So I marry those two previously ons with the title A Day in the Life and come up with my prediction that I'm certain is wrong. (laughs) is that we're going to focus on one character, be it Bobby and or Lindsay and or Lucy, probably not Lucy, so I'm going to say Bobby or Lindsay, and it follows them in a real-time tracking through one day at the firm. Okay, well, that would make a great deal of sense. Let's find out if it happens. But first, Keith, as I mentioned earlier, I want to hear more about the wonder, the beauty, the magic. The touch, the feel? Of Anchor. Well, I feel enlightened now. Mm. We're all better off for that. But I need more enlightenment when it comes to the specifics 
of The Practice, A Day in the Life, Season 3, Episode 12. Okay, manicure, 3 o'clock, pedicure, 3.30, facial, 4.15, full body, 5, then we go to hair. I have been so waiting for this day. You still think we can get out by lunch? I've just got my PC on the boat, guys. Girls Should be done day. by 11. Jimmy's Girls day. Yeah, we've already made a deal on manslaughter. How many columns do they have in their house? You think I should have a softer look? What? I'm thinking of going softer with my hair. I'm told juries are finding me a little harsh. You think I should go softer? Well, Helen, I mean, your style is kind of, you know, queen bitch killer bee. Doesn't harsh go with that? Wow. Your style is kind of queen bitch killer bee. Speaking of harsh. Although not, not an inaccurate. Why, yes, Lindsay, harsh would go with that. You win almost all of your cases. What's to change? Well, except the ones that we you're, that go against us, in which case you lose always. Always. Well, I wouldn't mind getting asked out on a date. But if you go with a softer look, you might get hit on by nice guys. Yeah? You don't want a nice guy. You only like crazy guys, or at least a guy that can make you crazy. That is so untrue. Name one guy you've been with that didn't have some dark, twisted... Bobby. And it died quickly. And not because he was a nice guy, because you were sleeping with him. Not because you grabbed, oh, grabbed his dick at a party. You, Helen. We got together yeah. with him. I like nice guys. It's Helen, so hard out there for the like nice guys. You like twisted guys. guys. Is that you really never true? get the Lara Flynn Boyles. Well, you think I should see somebody about it? Yes. You might. Yes, you should. Know any dark, demented, twisted shrinks? <laughs> <laughs> So, thus far, my prediction is is pretty wrong. Well, I mean, it it could be one of these two characters. I mean, the dead start of the morning. It's true. It's true. I'm hoping. So, there was coffee. There was uh, banter. I thought they were setting up like a girl's day out, but apparently she's just getting ready for court. Yes. Yes. That might be a... uh, might be part of what we're going to talk about. Remember when Marsha Clark during OJ like changed her physical appearance a bunch of times? Oh, How fucked yeah. up that was? It was so fucked up. It, the OJ thing made me feel so bad for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Take you a day. Two tops. Okay. Nice Lou Jack, Eugene. It's not a Lou Jack. What's a Lou Jack? Lindsay turfed it to me. She's having a maintenance day. What's going on? Oh, Lindsay's maintaining. She turfed the case to Eugene. Now he's Lou Jack and Rebecca. Oh no! Oh god! Oh god! Somebody loojacked your yeah. internet. Internet buffer. What is the? Oh. Loo- While we're there, what's a loojack? You're gonna find out. They're gonna oh, discuss okay. it at it's, great detail. It's, it's like Plan B. There's always a nice. Plan I can't B. find my date yeah. planner. What's a loojack? It's when you dump a case you don't want. Thanks, Lucy. Somebody else. It's a prelim. It's a good experience. Loojack. I left it right here. That's on not even desk. a word. Show me where it says loojack in the dictionary. It's okay. I want to do this. Let me guess. This is a drug prelim. The possessions of a controlled substance. Loojack. Where you going? A PC on my life jacket, killer. I thought you pled out. Only assuming they make PC. Well, Keith, uh, I feel like it's time. Parishioners, it is time to contemplate the answer to one of God's greatest mysteries. What the hell is Lucy wearing? Wow. So we're the episode's about to get into it, but I feel like we should get ahead of it mm-hmm. and talk about what. Okay, before the reveal. Lucy was wearing this giant feather coat jacket thing, this gray 
poofy thing. A frock of some sort? Yeah, and it was really intense already. And she has taken it off to <laughs> reveal... Uh, God, what would that be? Some a sort of like prom a, dress. Yeah, or like an like an Oscars gown thing, and it is. Uh, <clears throat> Mike, I I think you should. How, how does it make you feel? She make a me, make a me happy. In what is like I said, a, a slutty yet classy ish prom dress, Oscars black cocktail dress, wearing a stark black choker very well done makeup it's early in the morning but apparently she has somewhere special to be this evening yeah i mean i wouldn't necessarily call it slutty but it's definitely like she looks like she's ready for for the red carpet at the oscars i would say not work appropriate yeah that would be well it's not even i mean yes obviously not work appropriate it's just odd but let's let them talk about it. Yes. Although, and Bobby's face pretty much describes, I think, the whole scene here. This is a very good bit of silent film acting on both their parts. Indeed. I'd like to officially apologize for, for calling Lucy slutty. She said or done nothing to... Well, no, wait, hold on. She, she did sort of throw herself at Bobby. But that was more a Christmas spirit, I guess, if we were giving her the benefit of the doubt. Well, but it also doesn't make you slutty to proposition somebody you're right keith uh, and i i would like to officially renounce my own self for slut shaming lucy the character i'm okay i'm ashamed as well you should be i'm glad we've <laughs> renounced you in the first two and a half minutes of the episode <laughs> what what oh youth don't you think that's a little brisk for january oh this yeah, I read an article that, you know, sexy-looking receptionists actually help lawyers land clients. So, thought, what the hell? Well, thanks for taking one for the team, Luz. We'll see. <laughs> I... But again, why is she in an evening gown? Well, there's sexy Lucy, and then there's, uh... Slut? I'm not wow. a slut. I didn't say How dare you, Eleanor? How dare you? You were one. Yeah, I can show you the article. Dolly Young Dolan slut. Oh! Hey, slow down, Bob. I'm only using one ear. Bite my head off. Bobby, he says he's a friend. But again, oh. like, all right, so you want to be a sexy receptionist. That is not the gown. That's <laughs> like, that's like a, a 12 year old's concept of what a a sexy receptionist looks like. So it's like Jessica Rabbit. I also think it's pretty funny the character arc of her where they keep she keep they keep debating whether it's working out or not and it it ostensibly she's a terrible receptionist that that person was talking on the phone she gave him 11 seconds if that made a, a retort and then just handed the phone off without really that's really funny i like i like <laughs> i like lucy ted okay that's a really good show i like oh, lucy. okay slow down when Though I do feel okay. like she fits better in Ally McBeal, but... Uh, okay, okay, um... It's, it's a little McBeal sure. brought to the She's practice. dead. Oh, shit, someone's dead. All right. No, don't call anybody. I'll be there. It'll take me 20 minutes. Just wait right there. Joey Herrick, right? He's dating again. Not Joey Herrick. Eugene, you free? I can be. I'll fill you in on the way. Well, what about me? Who's gonna fill me in? 
here, I'll fill you in, Lucy. It's the 200th old rich friend of Bobby that killed somebody. This does look like Joey Herrick's house, though. More columns. This whole episode is about columns. Was that guy waiting at the front door to open it? That was the fastest knock-to-open ratio I've ever seen. Well, you'll understand one. Mary? How you doing? She doesn't look great. I can't. Okay, hold on. Before we go, we're going (laughs) to... We'll start this. If you... Yeah, if if you don't like character introductions, turn off this podcast now because we've got a ton of old rich white guy and old rich white lady, old rich white couple. (laughs) I just thought I would define what you were talking about there a little better. I I appreciate that. Okay, so we are meeting our friend. Ted and his wife. Ted is played by David Dukes. Poor guy has an unfortunate oh, terrible name. name. He took he took David Duke and made it plural, so he is more of them. What's better uh, however, than one, one racist? Multiple <laughs> racists. Uh, David Dukes, however, not in any way related to David Duke, and is in no way implying that the poor guy is racist. No, just, not at all. He has an unfortunate name. Uh, he was an Emmy nominee for the Josephine Baker story in 1991. He's been on Dawson's Creeks, Polly, The Mommies, Sisters, Beacon Hill, Gods and Monsters. And actually, sadly, uh, within a year of filming this, he died suddenly when filming the Stephen King miniseries Rose Red. Um, also, piece of trivia about his life, he received death threats for playing a character that tried to rape Edith Bunker on All the Family. Oh, Interesting. I know, crazy, right? Thanks, IMDb. The wife, <laughs> before I see you getting all excited to click, the wife is played by Carolyn Mignini from The Deuce. She plays, um, what's her name's mother on The Deuce? Veep, House of Cards, Family Ties, and Newhart. Interesting. I always, I really love what's her name's mother. Yeah, no, uh, oh, um, oh my God. Too late. That's, the moment no. has passed. Oh, God. I can't believe this is happening. Okay. Where's, uh... She's in the kitchen. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Hmm. We got a close-up shot of a laundry basket. Panning. Bobby is... scared to look. The reveal. Oh, fuck. Guys. We didn't even that... know she was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, it's a dead baby in the hamper. Oh, good God. Holy shit, it looked blue. It's dead. I didn't even know she was pregnant. I didn't For even know she was pregnant. Home, season three is the season of the dead baby. Yikes. Eugene is giving us some great face right here. He's disgusted. He's sad. Well, he's dealing with a second dead baby in three episodes. So I want to go through with it, but it's pretty much pro forma. I guess we'll take this time to officially state that Mike's prediction was very wrong. Pretty wrong. Pretty wrong. Yeah. Up to manslaughter right after. Anything three years. No record. Good behavior. I don't see any reason why not. You're a good lawyer, right? 
I run hot and cold. <laughs> That's not exactly filling him with just confidence. Just walking down the street, minding my own business. And that cop, he just stopped me. No reason. But the drugs were yours. Two tiny packets in the watch pocket. No way you so could So we're on to our For third case For the prelim, all here. they have to establish is that a crime has been Rebecca's committed. Case. But they just can't go around searching people for no reason. Can't you find one of them squash motions? Motion to quash. Yeah, find one of them. We can do that for the trial court with the prelim. Miss Washington, you got to make this go away. With my priors, I'm facing serious time here. Wouldn't that be incentive to give up the drug life? That cop stopped me because I was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong color skin. You got to help me. All right, let's talk about... Oh, God. Guy in the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong skin. You know, I should get to go first. That was a good one, Keith. <laughs> did you plan that? That's, that's not how this works. I did not plan that. That was good. That was good. Rebecca's... What was the, what was the word we learned? Oh, uh... Lojack, or... It wasn't Lojack. It was <laughs> no. something like that. Who's Rebecca's do-jack? <laughs> that is William Stanford Davis, uh, who's going to be in the upcoming Snowpiercer show. Also on Ray Donovan, Lincoln Heights, Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. I watched that. And Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip also did three episodes of Alec McBeal as a different character. Interesting. Well, welcome to the practice, sir. She gave birth in the middle of the night. Back to Bobby's case. She was alive. Yes. And you didn't hear it? No. God, I still can't believe. It's like I'm talking about... When did you first see the baby? This morning. I was coming down the stairs, and I suddenly heard a scream from her room. Like I've never heard her scream. I ran back up. She was holding a baby. Trying to make it breathe. Yikes. It wasn't breathing. I need to talk to your daughter. Yeah, I think we you first pulled do. him on board. The defendant. Yes. He said there had been some kind of explosion on his fishing boat. It sank, and he and his partner, they had been in the water for almost three hours. Did he say anything else? Said his partner was still out there, and then one of the crew members of my boat spotted him, and we pulled him on board. Could you describe his condition? Bad. He was bleeding from a head wound. He was near death. Did he tell you how he got the head wound? Objection. Overruled. He said the defendant wanted the life jacket, and that the defendant... Hit him over the head. Can you overrule an objection before you know what the objection is? I guess so. I, th- I mean, I think so, because you didn't specifically say what the objection to, but I guess it was obvious. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe it's implied. But while well, we're stopped... Piece of wood. Guy in the witness Unobjectionable objection to Guy! Yeah! That is Dirk Blocker. Dirk, he... Dirk Blocker, who, if you're a Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan, he plays Hitchcock. Was also on Deadwood, Matlock, in Poltergeist, and Raised the Titanic. 
which is going to be apt for this storyline. So he got Hitchcock Dirk Blockard. I don't even know how to unpack that. Wood <laughs> and remove the life jacket and put it on himself. And did he say anything else? No, he got kind of groggy. He died as we were heading back to shore. The parties stipulate that the cause of death for Mr. Terrence was a hematoma caused by a fractured skull. That's all. Mr. Bellotti. He said Mr. Forbes hit him with the wood. He referred to him as David. David hit me and stole my life jacket. That was basically it. Okay. I think that's all, Your Honor. Your Honor, one second. I'm co-counsel with Mr. Baluti. I'd like to confer. Make it quick. But I've been sitting in the audience. She's going to come in. Is that whole case? Well, they removed fragments from his head that matches the wood he was clinging to. He could have got hit during the explosion. Has your guy talked? No. He's it? Well, three others on board also heard what he... What's your say? Dying declaration, Lindsay. Can I try something? Be my guest. Who's she? Hold on. We should explain... Mr. Because when I first saw this, I was a little unclear as to what happened with this case. Yeah, okay. So let's do a segment called, Just Like Mike, Have You Been Paying Attention? Yes. Uh, so in this case, there was a accident out at sea, and these uh, these couple of these two guys were thrown into the water, and only one of them had a life jacket, and so they were floating there for hours and hours before they got rescued, and our defendant did not have the life jacket and is accused of hitting the other guy with a piece of wood and killing him to steal the life jacket back. And what they're talking about here is that the the victim, the guy who got killed before he died, said, this guy killed me for my life jacket while they were floating out there. And basically, if you remember, this is 1999, one life jacket, one, flo- one flotation device out in the middle of the ocean that two people needed to use. We are relitigating the end of Titanic. On the door. Which had just come out. Oh, that's amazing. So this is a what if what if Leo had used a piece of wood and killed Kate Winslet and stole her door? Mm. I'll never let go, Jimmy. I'll never let go. Brown, when you pulled Mr. Terrence on board, did he say anything about his condition? Just that he knew he was hurt real bad, pointing at his head. Did he say anything to you that indicated he knew he was going to die? I think he knew pretty I'm not asking what you think. Did he indicate any knowledge on his part that he was about to die? Not directly. And did you say anything to him? Did you try to comfort him? Yes. Like how? You know, hang in there, we'll get you to the doctor. So you were trying to give him hope? Yes. I certainly didn't tell him to give up. So it's possible he thought he might live? I guess. Sure. Your Honor, I move to strike all of this testimony. It's hearsay. The dying declaration exception doesn't apply unless the declarant knows he's dying. They haven't made a showing that he did. I think he did know. Excuse me, sir. Yeah, Lindsay. Boom. Oh, did you hear that sound? That's the sound of Lindsay's big old dick hitting the uh, floor. Have you got anybody else? Do I need anybody else? I wouldn't stop here. I can get another witness in here after lunch, Your Honor. We're adjourned until then. That's how you fuck over your co-counsel nice, and your Helen. roommate at the same the time. Shot. There goes our manicure, Lindsay. We'll be lucky now to make the facial. 
Well, I'm glad this is important to you. That's right. It's only a murder trial. There goes the manicure, Lindsay. We'll be lucky to make the facial. Actually, that's what I said to Keith off air just a few minutes ago. That's true. We'll right, save back an, with Rebecca. For, we'll, we'll save for another episode why I refer to Keith as Lindsay, but I'm sure you can figure it out. Yeah, I rolled with it. The cop who arrested you, I did some checking. He has had a few of his cases kicked. He's a little aggressive. This is what I'm telling you. A client of mine got busted by this guy once. Yes, maybe we can call your clients as character witnesses. Miss Washington, are you going to fight for me or not? Nobody knew you were pregnant. No. Okay, before we do this... You never... suffocated her baby uh yeah it does lead me to the question uh mike are you pt uh what do you ever play this game this is a <laughs> if you grew up in the 80s and 90s in vermont this was a fun game you ask are you pt give me an answer yes or no absolutely you're a pregnant teenager now give the answer as no uh no. You're not potty trained? <laughs> Boom! Gotcha. Boom goes the dynamite. Boom goes the middle school dynamite. Now, uh listeners at home, it should be noted that I have a webcam up here. I'm looking at Keith and and he is giddy. It it's as if no time has passed since the eighties. He really thinks he got me boom shakalaka and he's he's very pleased with himself. It should be noted. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> went to the doctor oh well hold on we haven't Nobody? introduced her yet oh yeah 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 this let's we got to do it okay so the formerly pregnant teenager is amanda fuller who you would know for, as badison murphy on orange is the new black she's also on last man standing gray's anatomy and did an episode of buffy very good actress and uh badison lover hater made a big uh big part of that show who you texting uh, work that I'm supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it gives it, if you're playing at, at home, you might have heard the phone ring uh, while we were listening here, and that was my work phone. <laughs> it's a Monday. We're Don't podcasting worry, I, at 1 p.m. I muted it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, here we go. Mendiful. I just wore baggy clothes, which... What about the father? He was a guy I dated for a couple of months. So we don't know anything further than this. It could have been... Is she, she seems like she was trying to hide her pregnancy, so this might have been like a uh, a very, very late-term abortion in her brain. Or she just... Uh, yeah, we don't know. All we know is she gave birth to the baby. It was a secret I pregnancy. I told him. And now the baby is dead. So last night you gave birth all by yourself? That was a big yes. baby. <laughs> She came out okay, and I was going to drop her off at the hospital this morning. When I heard Daddy's footsteps, I thought he was coming into my room, and so Actually, I put that, her in the closet. That big baby thing is a is an interesting point, because uh, those of you playing at home, as I mentioned, the babies you see on TV, what you know, when they are being born, are of course like six months old. You can't uh, have an infant 
younger than X amount of months old on camera. So the babies always come out like walking and talking. But in this case, it's clearly a fake baby. It's a doll. So it could have looked like a true day old baby. But I, but I feel like, uh, probably just to maintain the reality of all television, they had it be the same rough age as the fake, uh, infants. I would also venture that... Or they were reusing it from a different prop. Yeah, because it wasn't just a baby. It was definitely a dead baby. It was like a baby that had been was blue and was had been suffocated or, you know, was, was not... Whatever prop shop made this baby had made it to look dead. And, you know, rather than go out and buy, you know, a very specific dead infant baby... They probably just sourced dead baby, you know, and it was a little from older. from some other movie. Yeah, yeah. I knew. I mean, <laughs> this is this has gone a Ooh. very dark direction, uh, but it's a good prop. I mean, yeah, it was it was it was, it was, it was it's probably a high budget movie they borrowed it from. It was a startling, as you heard. I dropped a a very distinct f bomb. <laughs> Indeed, sorry to interrupt, Amanda. In Please continue. And threw some coats and stuff over the top. I was afraid she'd cry and daddy would hear. It was less than a minute, I think. How many coats did you put on top? 30. I don't know. I just threw a bunch of clothes over the top because I didn't want him to hear her. I didn't leave her there that long. I didn't. Great performance. Great. Especially for a teenager. Having to start that scene like mid. I can't let this destroy the rest of her life. I need you to advise me. If we don't go forward with this, what do I need to know? If we don't go forward with this. Meaning they hide the baby so nobody knows what happened. Back. Jimmy, have you seen Eugene? He said he'd be here to back me up. I got a prelim in about 20 minutes. The drug case. Wow, sorry. Hold on. I need to process that in my brain for a second. Yeah. So they have a baby, a dead baby, and the inference there is that it did not die of natural causes. It was a healthy baby, but it was suffocated to death under the coats. The father's saying if we go public with nobody knew about the pregnancy. So if we go public with this, then somebody's going to get charged with murder in my family. Yeah, I'm wondering what what legal obligations if you have a baby, let's say you have a baby and you're in a family that wants to do natural childbirth, childbirth and you, or you have a religious inclination that you don't go to the hospital or anything like that. Sure. And that baby is stillborn or anything like that. What legal impetus do you have, or 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 do you have to register that as a human being? Like, how does it work? I, I guess I, I believe don't know. I believe you probably do, even if it died of natural causes. Um, I would imagine. Right, because you'd have but to register them, if, like a social security number, all yeah, that Yeah, kind of yeah, and a, and a birth certificate, death certificate. You know, in this case, because 
if it's clear that it didn't die of natural causes, then you definitely have to because it's it's the same as discovering any other dead body. You can't you can't cover up a dead body. Yeah, it's like all those terrible cases of those people who, you know, kidnap a, an, an individual and then, you know, it's 30 years go by and they've had all these terrible, you know, babies that they've fathered with these prisoner, you know, those crazy cases you hear about that they've kept them in a like the movie room and things like that. I, ultimately, you can't just hide this kind of shit. So it's been a very dark episode. Well, it's, dark. It's dark. I mean, what do you it want? Is. What do you want, Keith? I don't know. L- l- speaking of dark, luckily it's it seems to be of regular temperature today. It, it was seventy degrees in New York City yesterday in the middle of January. Insane. We are all going to die. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Have you heard? Of- we hope everyone's having a really wonderful start to their week. <laughs> Happy Monday. He's the guy Dershowitz had in mind when he said all cops are trained to lie. Great. Rebecca, this is just Alan a prelim. Dershowitz, You've shout tried out. cases. I've never done a prelim. And my client faces a lot of time. At... Eugene said he'd be here. First he kojacks me, then he don't show up. Blue Jack. Yeah, well, whatever. Something Kojak. jacked. That much I know. I've been jacked. And now I'm going up against some cagey cop who's got more experience in there than uh, me. Calm down. Let's find a room. We'll do a little run-through. We have full on three cases this week. Accident or well, not, it's a potential homicide. If you're watching at home, that shot was handheld and kept sort of rotating around the two of them. They're in a public hallway. They must have used 50 extras. Yeah. It was well wandering bl- around behind them. Well blocked. We don't talk about blocking very often, especially in television, but that was well blocked. Yeah, a lot, lot going on. Uh, If you don't contact the police, you could be subject to obstruction of justice charges, maybe even accessory. Martha Mitchell. They find out. Yes, if they find out. What's done is done. But if this becomes public, she's 16. Mm. Investigation alone. Ted. My advice is to call the police. If it's an accident, like Julie says, there's still going to be an investigation. And even if it's dismissed as an accident, this is going to be on newscasts all over the country. Teenager buries baby in closet. I'm not going to let my daughter be ruined by this. I think that's a legitimate... I'm not going to let that happen. A legitimate line of thinking, apparently. You're talking publicity is worst-case scenario. Ted, that's not the worst. Worst is criminal prosecution. If she doesn't come forward and the police tumble to this, they will suspect her of murder. The only way they buy accident is for her to come clean. All right. Let me ask you this. An autopsy right now, no bruises, they'd probably conclude accidental suffocation, right? If that's what happened. If the body were disposed of, but discovered a month or so later, would it still reflect what happened? What the fuck? Question I'm getting at. Would we be burying evidence that might clear us if we ever got caught? First of all, that's a medical question. Second, I'm not gonna advise you in any way to bury or dispose of the baby. Yikes. I need to talk to my wife. Yeah, I think maybe you ought to. You thought we were dark. 
You went darker right. than us. Just had to make me bring in another witness. All right. Just keep in mind, the longer you cross-examine, the longer you cut into your overall route. Yes, I actually have that written down. Uh-huh. Funny. Had to have another witness. All right. You know, it's a murder trial. No biggie. It's like someone's life. Is it true that when you saw Clarence Barnett, he was just walking down the street? And then I observed him make a furtive gesture. What? No cop is going to use a word like furtive. Well, sometimes They're they use language together. right out of case law to make sure the arrest sticks. Well, a judge would know that's what he's doing. Rebecca, all a judge wants is an excuse to find probable cause and pass it on to the trial court. Okay. Define furtive. Well, it basically means sneaky. Basically? You don't even know what it means? I said sneaky. You don't know what it means? You want me to help you or not? I'm talking to you like you're the cop. Oh, right. <laughs> Go ahead. So, you stopped him based on sneaky. Yes, I thought he might be reaching for a weapon, so for my own protection, I conducted a pat-down search. You conducted a pat-down for weapons? Yes, I did. But you didn't feel anything that felt like a weapon? I felt a suspicious bulge in his front jeans pocket. And you thought what was in that little pocket was a weapon? I thought it might be a weapon. You're a liar. Oh, you, you can't say that. A little packet the size of a thumbnail? You can't call him a liar. If he says that, he is. This cop is an experienced witness. Experienced liar. You can't call him a liar. Hey, you sneaky, furtive bastard. How about that? Ah. Come on, Jimmy. We're on. Okay. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of them rehearsing. Yeah. And I think it's a fascinating... Like, it's it's definitely what, of, what you would do, of course. And I like the teamwork here. Helping... Uh, helping practice that line of thought, especially for a more inexperienced uh, lawyer. However, I have one bone to pick. Okay, let's pick it. Hey, Jimmy, you're in the middle of defending somebody in a murder trial. Maybe not the time. (laughs) Like, nobody seems to give a shit about the Titanic murder trial. Yeah, also, you know, not only that, but it was clear that since... Lindsay felt the urge to step in during the last uh, before lunch sort of part of the hearing. It seems like he was not; it wasn't going well for him. Right, or so he probably he has some prep he could be doing. Yeah, like he missed a big piece, which she just brought out in terms of the dying declaration exemption. Getting that off the table was a huge part of this whole case, and yeah. he maybe should have thought of that. Not only did I think the scene was good, but I thought the writing was really excellent too, though, because it still gave us really on brand beats for their characters, you know, showing Jimmy, you know, not quite knowing the big vocab word that he used. And then Rebecca kind of flying off the handle and, and getting a little, uh, let's say exuberant in her exam, in her, in her questioning. It was well done, David. Good work. Good work guys. And a flavor of the conceit. He knew he was dying. You're sure. He had this look in his eye. He knew. And he said, David did it. He hit me to steal the jacket. When you say he knew he was dying, well, I'm no psychiatrist, but when he said David did it, it seemed like a dying declaration. Oh, snap. It's exactly what they planned Mr. for. Bilodeen? Dying declaration? You ever hear that term from the district attorney? Objection. Overruled. She ever say that term, dying declaration? I think maybe I heard her say it, yes. Did she tell you that term had special meaning as far as the rules of evidence? Objection. Overruled. Did she give you any instructions for the purpose of this testimony? Work product. Overruled. 
What did she tell you? That it was important that Mr. Terrence knew he was dying. Otherwise, what he said to us would be inadmissible. <laughs> Thank you. Shots fired. Did I ever tell you to do anything but tell the truth? No. And is it your truthful testimony that Mr. Terrence believed he was dying when he uttered, David did it? Absolutely. Thank you. I got another right Daddy looks back and forth. Plan B him. You killed him. Did you hit him? Your Honor, the defense would like to call David Forbes. Really? We'd just like a 20-minute recess to confer. Okay. Back in 20. All right, let's talk about... Fairly reasonable judge is played by Howard Hesseman, a two-time Emmy nominee for WKRP in Cincinnati. He was also in the classic Disney film Flight of the Navigator. Also good. About Schmidt, that 70s show, he plays a different judge on Boston Legal. And thus far has done nothing but overrule objections. Indeed. We can't give them any advice on how to dispose of a body. I know that. That's where they're heading. I can I tell. Didn't see that, Eugene. You heard me tell them. We also can't start giving them odds on whether or not they'll get caught. That's borderline accessory. How do you figure? Well, if we tell them chances are they won't get caught, that amounts to encouragement. Aiding and abetting. We gotta stay clear of that. Now, I realize this guy's your friend, but we gotta cover our asses, too. Yeah. Listen, Eugene. Maybe you should leave. There's no sense in exposing both of us. I think I better stay. Why? To make sure you're careful. Yeah. I don't disagree. By the way, there's a dead baby in the kitchen. All right, Eugene. It ain't Bobby. Bobby has done nothing to show that he's trying to protect this guy. Let's relax. Look, let me ask you a question. How many times have you said, by the way, there's a dead baby in the kitchen? On advice of counsel, I've decided not to answer this question. <laughs> well played. What kind of a defense attorney? That reminds me. I, I, do you have HBO? Yeah. Uh, so a Stephen King, The Outsider, episodes one and two got released last night. Oh. Keith. Were they good? Watch it. Nice. All right. He puts his client on for a probable cause hearing. Helen. You don't want to go to the spa, is that it? Not sure you could handle a day off from work. Helen, it's a probable cause hearing. We have an idea. Oh, you we have, have to defend an idea. The guy. We can't just ignore our obligations. The whole point of the day, Lindsay, just to ignore our obligations. Wow. Okay. Angry. Murder trial. We've discussed it. We realize that by not going forward... It's illegal, but the child is already dead. We can't bring it back. What we can do is protect Julie, who is also a child. The alternative, she would live the rest of her life under a microscope, as well as a stigma. If it backfires, she could spend that life in prison. Only if she's found out. This is a very and bad people idea. people in this room are the only ones who know. Is that yes. true? Yes. What if the father knew somehow you were pregnant? He didn't. 
You sure? Bobby, what about all your friends? Could somebody have seen you take a shower? Nobody knew. Well, that better be true. Otherwise... Bobby! It is. You never told anybody on the internet? You never wrote a letter to Dear Abby? No. We've covered all these questions with... That was the juxtaposition of two radically different things. That's really funny. You've got... You never wrote anybody on the internet juxtaposed with the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, what's that word? Something that's out of time and out of place. Anachronistic. Anachronistic, yes. Did you write a letter to Dear Abby? Well, Dear Abby still exists in the 90s. All right. Her, Bobby. I remember. How much clothing did you pile on top of the baby? Why? Dear Abby, there's this girl I really like, but she doesn't want to watch this movie I really need to see. It's rated (laughs) PG-13, and she's Uh. religiously opposed to it. Yeah. Are you Ted? If this somehow does get out, it's not going to get out. What if she has a breakdown? Chances are good my penis will not be beamed up anywhere. Did, to be clear, do? I was not romantically interested. I'm just trying mm. to get an idea of negligence versus recklessness. <laughs> How much clothing? A few coats, some dresses. How long was she buried for? Do you think? Not that long. I uncovered her as soon as I came back into the room. I went straight to the closet and took them right off. What do you mean when you came back into the room? When did you leave the room? I went to the bathroom. How long were you gone? What difference does this make? Why did you first say you hadn't left the room? Stop beating her! I need to ask some questions. Did somebody else go into that room? No. Well, how do you know that if you weren't in the room? I was only out a few minutes. I came back. And she was dead. Keith, this could be a legitimate Plan B situation. Yeah, huh? Did somebody else go into that room? Well, let's. This seems like it's pointing in a certain direction. Dad, mom. Mary, did you go in there? Oh shit. Mary. Oh shit! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> The baby was dead when I went in. Why didn't you tell us you went in? I think mom just killed the baby. Why didn't you? I got too many mouths to feed already. Can I talk to you alone? I am too young to be a grandmother. Okay. You can't even tell me what it is. I enjoy baby murder. You might as well just tell me. Way to double down. He hung up on me. What did he say? Just to reschedule all his meetings, he could be out most of the day. The clients won't be happy. Well, maybe you could entertain them. You know, Cameron, why are you, are you being so mean to everyone? Oh, shit. I'm sorry? Hold Nothing. on, I missed it because Keith was talking. What, you don't I'm think I can back. wear a dress like that? could entertain Ooh. them. Are you jealous? I'm sorry? Nothing. What, you don't think I can wear a dress like that? You think I'm too fat? Is that it? Did I say that? Look, the truth is, Eleanor, I don't find you fat at all. Just think you're more full of yourself than most. What would remotely possess you to say something like that to a partner? My mother told me two things before she died. One was never let somebody push you around just because they're bigger or richer. Damn. Yo, she got put up in her place. What's the other thing she told you? 
If you're ever in an argument, you can always trump with a dead mother. <laughs> I was too tired to swim. First, I kind of grabbed on to Terry. You know, hold on. Next to the stand, Leo DiCaprio. Oh, no, I guess he's Kate Winslet in this position. No, 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 he's Leo. He's Leo, okay. He, he's Leo if Leo had But the life jacket wouldn't keep Kate us Winslet both up, with and he kept four. throwing me off of him. I said, let's switch off wearing the jacket, but he just said no. And then what happened? Well, I was about to drown. I was holding on to this one piece of wood, which couldn't really support me. I kept swimming to Terry. He kicked me away. I think we were both scared of dying. But at some point... I told him I saw a boat, which I didn't. I pointed to distract him, and when he looked away, I swung the piece of wood I was holding, and it hit him in the head. I hit him two more times till he was half out, then I peeled off the life jacket and I put it on. It was actually about 10 minutes later that I did spot the rescue boat. Thank you. That's Shit. all. Ms. Gamble? Nothing, Your Honor. Okay. Kind of just, I'm fine. Excuse me, Your Honor. I know this is extremely unorthodox, but in the overall interest of judicial economy, I would like to be heard on duress. What? That's an affirmative defense, counsel. I understand that. But if a district attorney or a judge knows a case won't make, it really should be dismissed. I would just like to be heard. Ten minutes, please. Ten minutes. Some time to prepare. One hour. Jeez. Well, she really, I guess there goes the whole Manny Petty. And the defendant, she Clarence really Barnett, approached me. What were you doing at the time? My partner and I had just placed another person under arrest when Mr. Barnett walked up to us. And what happened at that time? Mr. Barnett handed me two clear plastic packets of suspect cocaine and stated he wanted to turn himself in. He wanted to turn himself in? Yes. Okay, stop. With the package. We're going to interrupt the scene and do that thing that everyone hates. Officer who's been accused of being racially suspect. Guy that Jimmy was a stand-in for. <laughs> oh my God, I literally died trying to speak. Literally, he says. I literally died. That officer is played by Jordan Lund from Firefly, Mercy Point, and finally, Thank God. on Enterprise, he played Sklar in Bounty, which I just watched last night, strangely. On Deep Space Nine, he... Uh, he did not play the woman in the storyteller, but he was in the storyteller. And on Next Generation, he played Klug in Redemption Part 2. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. And while we're at it... See, I interrupted the scene, but I did do them back to back. That judge is played by Susan Blomert previously uncredited on the show as Judge Rudy Fox. She was also in Pet Cemetery, the original one, Edward Scissorhands, Guarding Tess, The X-Files, in a very memorable episode, The Blacklist, and John Wick 3, and I saw her in Greece on the Broadway. She recovered uh, from the defendant sent the to the I crime want. lab for testing and analysis? Yes, they were. And to the best of your knowledge, did they test positive for 0.23 grams of cocaine? Yes, they did. Thank you. Nothing further. Tender the witness. Ms. Washington? Just walked right up out of the blue. That's what I'm saying. And prior to him approaching you, as you allege, you hadn't observed him engage in any illegal conduct? No. Didn't observe him with any drugs? No, I didn't. 
He just walked right up to you. Yes, he walked over and handed me two packets of what appeared to be cocaine. And said? Officer, I have drugs and I want to turn myself in. Didn't tell you he killed JFK. Objection. Sustained. Walked right up. On his own accord. Let me make sure I understand what you're saying, even though you've said it three or four times. <laughs> Mr. Barnett just walked up to you as a good Samaritan and turned himself in without any prior conduct on your part? Yes. Mr. Barnett, you're free to go. Your Honor. Counsel. Boom. Wow. Mr. Torcaso, I'd advise you to counsel your officers that in the future, if they're going to try to make the facts conform to the law, they should at least try to make it sound believable. But that's just the point. If he wanted to lie, he could easily have come up with something that sounded more plausible. It's so outlandish, it has to be true. Or maybe oh, he yeah, thought okay. of that. Be glad I don't find misconduct. Just walked right up. Oh, snap! We should do this. I know that lawyer from somewhere. I wasn't going to introduce him, but then I just saw a very important little piece of trivia about... Actually, she mispronounced his character name. She said Torcalso. The uh, character's name is Torcalso with an E. But he is played by Rob Leo Roy, born in Burlington, Vermont. Back Hi. in... Yeah, right? And uh, he's done a bunch of stuff. He did uh, lots of Law and Order and Blue Bloods and uh, Rescue Me and the mispronounced Torkelson on The Practice. Keith, let's take a quick zoom in side. Let's take a quick zoom inside baseball here. Yes. On the set of a shoot like this. Yes. Who is in charge of making sure things like that don't happen. Obviously, someone is writing the script as they are, not writing, but writing, watching the script as they are shooting these things and is supposed to be on the lookout for mispronunciations or maybe lines that are flubbed that the director really wants to be done dead letter perfect. Uh, who is in charge of that, do you know? I believe that would be the script supervisor in this episode, Martha Goldstein, or Stein. Uh... Also, it was a one-off character. Didn't really matter. Right. So somebody, they might even just missed it in edit entirely. It's probably the yeah. case. I mean, nobody cares. Oh. It's not Star Wars. Nobody's doing a map of these I, characters, I, lawyers, <laughs> except for us. I'm afraid this is much worse than I thought. Mary no killed shit. the baby. Mary killed the baby she, is the quote. Which, to be fair, is a... Father. It's a what? pretty big escalation she, from had a little lamb. When Julie wouldn't tell her who the father was, she suddenly thought it was me. Don't ask me to explain how. Have you? God, no. Uh, let's not be so incredulous at the implication there. You're, there's a dead baby in a laundry basket in your kitchen. You've lied about it all day. It's not outlandish for Bobby to think maybe you did rape the daughter. I'm sorry. We're there. Yeah, well... And uh, you can't see it because we're not video, but you should be watching on Hulu or Amazon. I don't trust this dude. He uses his hands too much. Mm, gesticulation. With your hands, if is, you're a Kismet fan. If you're if you're Keith, you know that gesticulation equals... Uh, damn it. Hold on. Got to be a good lyricist here. What is implication? No, no, no. Yeah, I take an implication from the gesticulation that you're a liar. 
Mm-hmm. Have you engaged in incestation? Of course not. How could your wife think that you would have fathered? I don't, I don't know. She's oh, been battling no. some depression. But to think that... Keith's right in the jingle already. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think she's having some kind of breakdown. What do I do now? Keith, I really wish we were a better podcast because what I would love to do is go through and just grab like two seconds of Eugene's flabbergasted facial expressions throughout this whole episode and piece them together. We could do that on any single episode because I can take a lot of screenshots. Uh, Steve Harris's face in every episode goes through on this huge journey. Yeah. It's really good work. But I would like to juxtapose them with just somebody telling a bad dad joke and just cut to Steve Harris' face when he finds out that the the dad the wife murdered the baby. Oh, that's a good idea. A better podcast would yeah. do that. We're lucky if I edit this by tomorrow. <laughs> Tell me the name of the father. Keith? Why? The the because I want to know. His name is Stephen Gilbert, but he doesn't know. Okay, look, personally, I don't know any of you well enough to know whether you're telling the truth or not, but here's what we got. A dead baby, a person here who killed that baby, a person here who maybe left the room, maybe not, a person here who maybe is the father, maybe not. I am not the father. And I don't care. Eugene. No, this needs to be said. We got a serious conflict of interest going on. Somebody's a killer. Somebody else could be an accessory. Maybe we got two accessories. The only thing I know for sure is you all need lawyers, separate lawyers, in my opinion, before you do anything. That being said, I think we should get the hell out of here. We're not calling any more lawyers. Eugene is a thousand percent right. Mm -hmm. She needs help. We're going to stick together as a family. And I got a credibility problem with you rattling off stick together as a family after discovering your wife is a killer. Hey, quiet. At a minimum, your daughter shouldn't be taking advice from you two. Eugene. Bobby, come on. These people may be your friends, but this girl needs independent counsel from them. I don't need to hear from you what is best for her. Look, this is undue Why influence. Why don't you just get and the as members of the out law, of here like you want to do? Leave us alone! Leave you alone? You murdered a baby. You killed a baby and you want me to leave you alone? Eugene, I will pray to right. God tonight that you rot. She was an innocent little girl. Shut up! This isn't going to bring back Tia. Oh, you named her. All this fighting, it isn't going to bring her back. Tia? That was her name. You named her Tia? Are we to know who Tia is? No, just the fact that she named her. But instantly is old friends with Bobby, because everyone is old friends with Bobby. Is Apparently Bobby the father? murdered somebody. David Forbes Bobby. had a legal right to kill look. John Terrence. A legal right? Duress? He was drowning. He asked Mr. Terrence for the life jacket. He needed the life jacket. Without it, he was about to drown. First of all, as I said, it's an affirmative defense. I'm hardly going to make a ruling at a probable cause hearing. Second, you're saying duress excuses murder? Without admitting my client attempted or committed murder, he only wanted to get the life jacket, yes. Duress can justify murder. I've pulled up a quick list of citations. Duress excuses the infliction of evil in certain circumstances. 
where it's one against one and your life is on the line, a person is legally permitted to choose himself over another, even if it means committing an evil act. That's what happened here. It's beyond dispute. David Back Forbes was drowning. Defense. He whacked Mr. Tarrant on the head, took the life jacket to save himself. This is a defense to be made at trial. Well, I agree, a- but these facts are uncontested. The judge and DA have duties not to proceed with prosecutions that can't be made, and this case can't be made. I can make it. Oh, come on, Helen. You just want to make your Swedish deep tissue. Objection. You can't make this case. It's one-on-one in the middle of the ocean. Of this line. is classic duress. And in the interest of judicial economy... All right, all right, all right. I'll uh, tell you what, counsel... Uh, let me consider this. That's all I'll do. What? I just said consider. Give me an hour. Man, they are not making. There's nothing more we can Lara do. Lara, look good here. Nothing more we should do. I told them we wait. Maybe they'll do the right thing. What will you do? I think I skipped down. That were your daughter. This was my granddaughter. We have to look at the baby prop again? Oh no, Bobby's looking. Like, do you really need to go and look at it again? I mean, shouldn't you... I don't want this to sound crass, Keith. (laughs) That'll be a first time ever on this podcast. They've been there all day. Shouldn't they put it in the fridge or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's a grim road, but you got one's got to think of it. Is there an oversized cooler on top of someone's fridge? <laughs> they could bring into the courtroom. Could they bring the head? Like, we got that cooler. So I'm like Trina, right. as a bird. You a good lawyer? Single? <laughs> Not that single, Clarence. I'm a great provider. No hard feelings. But it did happen exactly how I said. Two of us know that. Three count guy. Next time. Oh shit. His story was true? Happened just like he said. You mean you actually walked up to him and turned yourself in? Yes. Why? Because he was out there stopping every black male on the streets. I knew I'd be next, and I didn't think I could outrun him. Only thing I could think was if I turned myself in that way and that cop testified to how it went down, no one would believe him. You looked right into my eyes and lied to me. I needed you to fight for me. Was I wrong? Good smart. Does that take some of the sweet out of the victory? Yeah, Clarence. It does. But think of it this way. They've been stopping me all my life. Arrest me for no reason sometimes. He beat me up once. Sometimes it got to go my way. Why? You deal drugs. Now you try to take some of the sweet out of my victory. Good job, Consul. You a keeper. Mm. That's a, a, a tasty little morsel in this episode. What are you gonna do? It's interesting, yeah. Bobby, I'm gonna take you off the hook, okay? We're gonna sit. As a family, we don't need you two anymore. Thank you for... Ted, you're emotionally shattered here. You can't... Question, before we continue with this scene. Sorry to those people who really hate us interrupting, but this is what we do. Uh, 
if he releases them, are they henceforth no longer his counsel? And then do they have a fiduciary uh, obligation to report the crime? I think the attorney-client privilege maintains even after you've been dismissed. I believe this is a family issue now. I really need you to leave. Amazing clock ticking in my left channel of my earphone here. Great sound design. I like their house. Can we have it after they're all in jail? Spoiler alert, Eugene's fed up. And Bobby's going back. Bobby's going back, ladies and gentlemen. St. Thomas's Church on Commonwealth. You're going to bring the baby there. Bobby, I asked you here. This isn't legal advice, Ted. It's a threat. That little girl has a name. Tia. She was born, and she'll have a funeral. You take her either to the police or St. Thomas's. There's a side door. You can drive up after dark. You won't be seen. I know for a fact there's no security cameras. I'm in the process of raising money to get them. You leave her there at 7 o'clock. I'll do the rest. Bobby. Otherwise, I report you, Ted. Trust me on this. I'm willing to lose my license. Wow. I mean, five minutes left. What's going to happen here? What is going to happen? But it's... It's such an odd place for him to plant his flag. Like the funeral? You just counseled a client to conceal evidence in a homicide case. He sure did. Look, That's Helen, what Eugene was uh, warning him from the beginning not to do. I like to, to call yeah. counsel by their first names when I'm about to disappoint them. Excuse me? The dying declaration wobbles at best. Add to that a very viable duress claim. These are all trial court decisions. But she's right. With our docket so jammed up, it would be irresponsible to bind this over. It's a waste of time, money, and resources. DAs are overworked as it is, don't you think? Yes, we could all use a day off. Well, I'm uh, kicking this without prejudice, so you can refile if you get anything else. I even miss the massage. I'm taking my manslaughter off off the table. Gee. Okay, so the important piece of information we have learned from this episode is if Leo had beaten Kate Winslet to death and taken her door, he would have been acquitted. That's true, but then it would have been old Leo telling the story. And that is a shittier movie. Definitely. He it also means we don't get to hear your banging closing time bumper this week. Oh, it does. Yeah, no, no closes. Next time. We have another 120 episodes. I'm sure the they'll, they're already sick me. of it. And then when the cop repeated it. Hypothetical, it, right? Oh, right. Um, I'm, I'm just telling a story. As if I care. 
a lost a murderer and a facial. You think I could care about your drug That's dealers? That's funny. Alleged drug dealers. Anybody is giving. Bobby? I spoke with Lucy. Uh, she said he and Eugene were out all day. Ellen. 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 Massage. Let me Bobby for the night. How? Gross. <laughs> gross. Super gross. Gross. They just basically said Bobby's a a, a living dildo. <laughs> wow, there's the quote of the episode. <laughs> if we did episode titles, that would have to be it. Oh, they're at the church. Can you believe we're out here sitting doing what we're doing? Seven o'clock. Maybe they went to the police. They're outside the... You already said that. They're outside the church. It was there. me, Eugene. What? If this gets out, anything I advise to conceal... It's just me. And when they asked why I was sitting here, so I added this to the next layer of crimes that Bobby has committed. Just making sure I don't do anything more stupid. I can't let her not get a funeral. I guess he's devout. He is, but like. That's the thing you care about as opposed to the, like the fact that she was murdered. Yeah, it really adds an element, right? Because they could have just left it at the baby accidentally suffocated. That's more of a moral quandary. But the mom killed it because she thought the dad raped the daughter is very... It muddies like, the waters. That deserves a follow-up, I would imagine. <laughs> Seems more fitting a debate than should I go see that PG-13 movie? <laughs> well, I'll try it. You lost left. that one too. I did, I did. They left it, it in the laundry basket. In the laundry basket. That's like the best you could do. That's fucked up. Super, super fucked up. I mean, frankly, the killing of the baby to me is the fucked up part. I don't really give a shit about what happens after now that. Now, that baby but, yeah. is currently on the side of that building, that corpse, and Bobby is now just in the church. And he's always going to confess. Fuck. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been three weeks since my last confession. Oh, he goes to church quite a bit. How may I help you, my son? There's a little girl. Her name is Tia. God has her now. Good cry. And so do you. Wow, we fade to black. But before we do... I, you know, we almost never have the buzzer beater introduction, but this guy deserves it. This priest, uh, almost an extra in the scene, is played by Joe Howard. Now, he's done a whole bunch of things, but I'm just going to get to the important part. He played Officer George Frankly on MathNet. I love MathNet. Square One. Square One. Ba, 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 da. Ba, da, da. Square One. Ba, 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 da. Ba-da-bow. He did, and he played uh he played opposite my good friend Tony DeWono as Pat Tuesday. 
pet too. So As I love Mulder that it's come up multiple Scully. times on the podcast. I well, believe me, I am to say that I think it's a feather in my cap to uh, to know one of the MathNet people is definitely. I'm very proud of that. That is a seminal anyway, part of my growing up. Absolutely. So, and he's going to come back as a different character next season. So I get to play the bumper that I got that I have only used once. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about this episode, a day in the life. Oh, oh, uh, okay. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Don't we, oh, don't we have a, don't we have a whole segment devoted to this <laughs> end of the podcast? Oh my God. I'm going to have the end of my afternoon and take a nap. In unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? What are they? Well, it's a time where we talk about who is the most valuable. So, Keith, quickly, I'll just say that uh, Jimmy was in charge of the Leo and Kate case, the Titanic case. Yes. And it seemed like... Uh, the proverbial ship was sinking. It and was. from the gallery comes our own Lindsay Dole. And in a matter of a few hours, a few tricks up her sleeves and uh, the complete obliteration of uh, Helen's day off plans, she was able to get the case dismissed entirely. Got Jimmy on a lifeboat. And bashed him over the head, took the case for herself and won it. If that's not the... Uh, perfect ending of the perfect most valuable lawyer i don't know what is i completely agree she plunged into the icy water flipped kate off that door got jimmy on that door and got the acquittal on a murder trial possibly because the prosecutor was only worried about her facial but you know yikes during Uh, a probable hearing cause uh uh uh, hearing (laughs) probable cause hearing yes So congratulations, Lindsay, on your MVL. That brings us to... Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. I think, as we mentioned earlier, there's a lot of great performances here. I thought that uh, I thought William Stanford Davis was great as Clarence Barnett. I thought the parents were really great as well. Let's see, uh, Carol David Dukes. Yep, David Dukes and Car- Carolyn Mignini. 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 I would imagine. But I think that we gave a shout out earlier. It's very difficult. I did a. Uh, a pilot episode of this show where I was did the scene where I was supposed to be coming out of a a nightmare, just like springing out of bed from a nightmare that was pretty horrific that my tongue had been cut off and I'm supposed to be like feeling my tongue and, and, oh, weep, and weeping and just like getting from zero to a hundred. 
when, you know, there's 35 people in the room and it's just like a quick shoot, you know, you've got an hour or two. It's very, 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 very difficult as a grown man. As a teenager, I imagine it's even more difficult. And so I'd like to give a special shout out and my oopsie consideration to Amanda Fuller as Julie. Yeah, no, I totally get P.S. We got to talk about that pilot at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I thought Amanda Fuller did a tremendous job, um, as the PT, as the FPT <laughs> formerly, uh, no, she did, she did a great job. I, I, I do think that, um, David Dukes did a really good job yes. as well. Uh, and I, you know, when I criticize him for using his hands too much, which is usually the sign of an actor who's uncomfortable, but also the character here was pretty shifty. And so I, I frankly think that was probably a choice uh, because the character was lying. So uh, really good work there too. But no, I agree with you. Congratulations, Amanda Fuller on your oopsie. Which brings us to you killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. We sort of direct opposite of what I had predicted earlier. It was an all hands on deck episode of the practice today. It really was, yeah. And everyone had their little moment to shine. Like we said, we thought that Rebecca and Jimmy's rehearsal scene was really pretty excellent. I thought Lucy and Eleanor had a great scene, if if not, once again, kind of out of nowhere. Like, Eleanor is just having a cranky day. Oddly antagonistic, but we did see a little crack in the armor of antagonism because she pulled at the dead mother and then had a good sense of humor about it, which I actually really liked that beat. Helen and Lindsay had some great repartee, both in the beginning of the episode and throughout the episode. Just excellent work by everybody. I think that Eugene and Bobby's case was the most dramatically interesting as far as sure. a- acting is concerned. Uh, Eugene- well, it's hard to trump a dead baby. Yeah, well said. You know, Eugene was tasked with being the moral compass uh, for Bobby and kind of knowing where we were headed the whole time and and showing restraint, trying to do the right thing, trying to urge Bobby to do the right thing, and then ultimately having to watch Bobby do the wrong thing. Quote, well, I guess that's up for debate. Uh, and counsel him. So I think it goes between them, and I'm going to let you uh, lobby a case for either Steve Harris or Dylan McDermott. Well, I think uh, I, I think they both did a tremendous job, and clearly Dylan's final scene there, we got some tears, we got some real emotion, I thought was really well, really well done. Um, I personally, I'm going to go with Steve Harris. I thought he was the driving force in that he was the voice of reason. He was the, uh, you know, he had to do a lot of reacting and a lot of sort of driving the scene because Bobby was kind of lost there because once again, his old friend murdered somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my votes for Steve Harris. Well, as much as I'd like to do the split ski, the truth of the matter is, is that I 100% agree. I actually think the writing was very strong in that Steve kind of was, behaving exactly as one would think they would behave in that situation. Yeah, and consistent with the character, for sure. So I think that I agree. I would like to award the oopsie to Steve Harris. Congratulations, Steve Harris, on your oopsie. 
Which brings us to... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady! Uh, how was your vacation going, Tom? Oh, Tommy. Uh, uh, did you watch the games that you weren't a part of? Oh, no, it's too hard. Oh, bummer. However, you did watch those games while existing as Tom Brady. So my vote goes to Tom Brady for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. And I gotta see a birth certificate. I gotta <laughs> see his transcripts to prove it's really him. But in lieu of that evidence... <laughs> Your Trump went by, like, way of Jewish grandmother? Well, I've been living with one for two years, so... Fair enough. Uh, yes, Tom Brady. Okay, congratulations, Tom. And that brings us, finally, to... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. I'm so happy to have worked in a, uh, a Trumper, uh, or a... A birther conspiracy <laughs> to the episode. <laughs> and ironically, it's not about the dead baby. No, that's true. There was... This episode was weird, Keith. I feel like a lot of stuff happened, but I'm not sure that, like, anything happened other than Bobby became more more morally bankrupt in service of his own Catholicism? Maybe? <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. You know? Uh, I also find it bizarre that what, what what was missing for me in the writing, I think, and, and I know there's only so much time, is that Bobby's whole journey here seems predicated on what the relationship to this family is. And I don't know that they gave that us to us, right? Just that they're old friends. Right, which is the same always on this show. Everybody's Bobby's old friend, and Bobby's willing to, like, let someone get away with murder to help the old friend we've never seen from before and seem pretty shifty to me. Yeah, I could probably suspend my disbelief to that if, the like we said, the baby had just been suffocated or had just died at childbirth and they didn't want to ruin her life because, but 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 since there's so many other possible threads to chase down, what is this? Remember he said when he said, you know, my wife instantly thought I was the father. I won't go into why. Well, yeah. And so you've got that going on. Also, like, she didn't... Like, why did they tell him that she killed the baby? Right. Like, what, like they just, like, full-on admitted to murder. Right. Because it, 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 it wasn't ambiguous. She said, yeah, I killed the baby. It feels like we just, it's, you guys have to call the police or we have to walk away right now. Those are your two options. And we're going to walk away and call the police for you. So those are your two options. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't see what it does for the character of Bobby. I don't see the, really the point of why we give her a name. And so he has to have them drop her off at a church. Like they're going to get a baby in a basket, but instead it's a laundry basket and the baby's dead. I mean, it seems very, I'm not, I just am not taking away the point, I guess. Well, I I think it's the lawyer in that situation isn't a tough spot and he can't he can't like go to the police and be the lawyer. So he has to do something to redeem the character somehow if you're going to give because it would be really dark if we just like, yeah, just like bury it in cement. We'll never speak of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, anyway, and, continue. Then, and then we've got Rebecca's case in which 
they go run around the block to find out, is this another racist cop? Is this a bad cop? And then it turns out the client is actually telling the truth. And he turned himself in, in the event that that was, that was his only way, but he's justified because he usually gets, sometimes he's been, uh, he's been pinched for no reason or roughed up. And then Rebecca says what we're all thinking. Yeah, but you sell crack. And he's like, oh, don't take this away from me. And you're like, what? so what am I, what's the point there, really? But also strained credulity that the judge would throw it out that easily. Right, Just like be, be, Because like the officer's description of the behavior was a little odd, so therefore I'm going to throw out the case. So what is striking to me is that the only thing, <laughs> the thing that actually rings most true to me, or interesting at least, is the fact that we litigate Titanic. Right. I find that I found that actually to be pretty interesting. That was fun. Yeah, so okay, so we've got 10 spare tires to give. Yeah. Uh if we give each case 3.33 tires and I'm I can only give like two tire uh, I'll give one and a half tires to each of the first two cases because everybody listen to Mike do math. So that's three tires. And I'm going to give the full 3.3 tires to Rebecca's or to the Titanic case. Oh, Jesus. That gives me three plus 3.33. So I'm going to say 6.33 tires. Wow. Okay. 6.33. That was a long way to get to a normal rating. That's actually the first time in however many episodes we've done that I've actually really thought it through. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's fair. I <sighs> Might be a little too high, but... No, I... I, I mean, honestly, like, I was interested in this mm-hmm. episode. I, Surely. I, I found it compelling. Um, I definitely felt it was overstuffed. I thought Rebecca's case wasn't necessary. I, I really loved the, the rehearsal scene, and I'm glad that that case gave us that. But the rehearsal scene was actually about Jimmy's case, which I thought deserved its own episode. Mm-hmm. So... I think the, the two A cases both deserve their own episode and deserved more exploration. You definitely could have milked that for for more. And then the third case felt like tacked on. It was overstuffed. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to give it a 6.5. I thought okay. like it, it has some flaws. It certainly has some flaws, but I did enjoy it. I would say that if we took a look at like, I guess we're ish, halfway ish through the season. Yeah. And I would say if we took a look at what I think our status report is, for me at least, I like a lot of what's happening. I really like that we've, we're in full stride now. I don't think they're finding yeah. their footing. I think we know where we are and what we do well. The two characters I find at odds right now, I think we would agree, at least on Helen. Not Helen. Yeah. Um, uh, well, we'll get there. Eleanor, I'm going to start with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, we got to find somewhere to go with her. Yeah, she has not been given good material this season yet. Yeah, and I find like she's, we're sort of painting her one note, and she seems just like angry and grumpy for no real reason. Yeah. So that's bothering me. And along those same lines, Helen, I find we were going some great places with her. I felt like she was, she was maybe going to join the team and the Christmas episodes or the holiday episodes, she, she was softening and, and, she has some great moments. And then this episode again, it's like they they just paint her as this stone cold bitch who like doesn't even give a shit. She just wants to get to her hair appointment, which I just think is a bad look. And it, it, it I think it underserves her. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I don't mind her being the prosecutor. I, I love her as opposition, mm-hmm. but I'd love her to be as good at her job as we've seen her previously. Yeah, it's like we've said before. They keep pitching her as this, oh, you don't want to get Helen Gamble. Oh my God, Helen Gamble? But they just walk right over her every episode now. Yeah. So Yeah, at this point, they're like bullying poor Helen Gamble. Yeah, so. Okay. But the state so, of the practice is strong. The state of the practice is strong. Okay. Well, thank you. Oh, God. No, that's the wrong one. <laughs> thank you for wasting another two hours of your life listening to the Out of Practice podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you'd like to reach us, please send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social medias at Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find uh, pictures on our blog, as well as our ranking of every episode at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. And please join the jury by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. If you just send us an email and let us know it's there if it's not on Apple. Also, help Keith move on up the charts by going to your music streaming service of choice and checking out the album Momentum. Also, go over to your podcast thing of choice, listening app of choice, and listen to the second golden age of radio, Richard Templeton's podcast. Thanks for listening, Richard. And if you feel that bulge in my front pocket, go ahead and reach in. You have my permission. You won't find a weapon, but you'll find... Oh, I messed it up. I was going to make a whole like laser gun thing, set your phasers to laser oh. sounds and like. Oh, that was horrible. Damn. That, wow. Oh, wow. Boy, we laser sounds. Screwed that pooch. Dead baby. Laser sounds. Mm. <laughs>